So many opinions. Hey, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30, so I invite you to open up, check it out. Again, we're still in that first half of Isaiah, which in which Isaiah is, is encouraging the people of Judah to trust him in the insurmountable odds of uh, the enemy of Assyria that's coming against him. And so... Uh, over and over again, he's going to encourage them. Hey, put your trust in God. Don't trust in other things. Trust in Him. And, and then we're going to see God deliver. And then you're going to see it again. How many of us know that in our lives we're going to enter into more than one trial? We're going to face more than one struggle. We're going to have more than one enemy that we got to come up against. And so we can never forget the, the challenge that God is giving. The challenge of, hold on, trust me, I'm your deliverance. Regardless, however that deliverance comes, God is it. There is no other hope. There is salvation in no other name but His. So we want to place our hope and our trust in Him. And so in chapter 30, the Lord is going to talk to the the people of Judah about the danger of rebellion, being rebellious against God. Whenever we face circumstances we don't understand, we have two options, really. We either get bitter or we get better, right? We either get bitter with God, angry at God, frustrated at God, uh, which only leads to more frustration because in reality, no matter how much you yell at God, He's not going to tell you anything. Read the book of Job. Job, in the book of Job, is saying, God, why? God, what's going on? I want my day in court with God. I want to stand in front of God and tell Him about my questions and, and how I don't understand this. And in the end of the book of Job, Job gets his moment, standing before Almighty God. And Job doesn't have any questions. Because he realizes through the experience that his hope is God, and that's all there is hope in. His hope is in that relationship with the Lord. And while we may not have our answers here for all the whys, we do have the answer that we need in who. Who are you going to put your trust in? Regardless to the disappointments that come in life, who are you going to trust? And so that the question that, that God brings to Judah in, in Isaiah 30 verse 1, he says... Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord. Now, we all know that Israel is relatively stubborn, right? We've, have we seen that as we've studied the, the walk of Israel with God? But the question is, how many of you know that you are stubborn just like them? That you, yeah, for sure. There ought to be several hands in there, actually. <clears throat> that, uh, that we all have this stubbornness within us where we get our brain set. Now listen to how he discusses their stubbornness, right? Who carry out a plan, but it's not mine. You ever had a plan that wasn't God's? Who make an alliance, but not by my spirit. So they're, they're making plans, they're making alliances. That And he says that they may add sin to sin. Sin to sin. Now keep in mind this word, sin to sin, the word for sin is... Missing the mark. So we make plans, but they're not God's plans, so we're missing the mark. We make alliances, but they're not God's alliances. 
So we're missing the mark. We're adding missing the mark to missing the mark, which means what's your chance of hitting the target? Yeah, zero, right? Zero. So when we find ourselves in rebellion against God, here's our natural state. Our natural state is to say, we got this. Right? We can figure it out. We'll, we'll make a plan. First thing I do, right? As soon as I hear whatever thing's going on, you know, the stuff me and Kathy are going through is little stuff. But uh, Tuesday, um, Doc comes in and one second Doc says, hey, I don't think we're going to have to do surgery. And then the next second he looks at x-ray number two. And then he says, okay, we got to schedule surgery. We'll see you Monday. So then immediately in my brain, we, I go into making plans. Right? Okay, well, here's what we'll do, and this is how we'll do this, and this is how we'll do that. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, I think we almost paid off last year's uh, surgery, so it's a good time to start a new one, right? Just Before I get used to not making that payment anymore, we should just have add that payment in again. <coughs> but what the Word of God challenges us in is when those circumstances happen, before all the planning happens... Just go to the Lord. Ask Him for wisdom. What does James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, do what? Ask. Okay, so don't make your plan first. Do what? Ask for wisdom first. And then when I ask for wisdom, can I make a plan second? For sure. The second thing I can do. Once I've asked, God, give me wisdom. Now I'm going I'm to step out in faith. God, God said, if I ask, He'll give it to me. Right? He says, if you ask, I'll give it to you. So he's going to give me wisdom. I'm going to trust in the wisdom he gives me. Now I'm going to move forward. I want to make plans that I'm acknowledging God in. I want to make alliances where his spirit's leading me. You ever had God close the door on you? And if he closed the door, do you try to kick it open? Yeah, stop. (laughs) Save time on your foot. God closes the door. There's another way. He doesn't leave us without a way. We're going to see that tonight as we look at chapter 30, okay? He's going to give us a way. So we don't want to add sin to sin. We don't want to try to hit the mark by missing the mark. That never works. So we want to keep our eyes focused on him. Verse 2, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. So God's frustrated that they're running to Egypt for protection, but they're not running to him. They're running to Egypt as though Pharaoh is the one who is able to protect them. <clears throat> God says, why, why are you doing that? Come to me. Come to me. Now, this is an attitude that we see often in Israel. The northern kingdom had this attitude. In 1 Kings 22.8, we, uh, we have a king. Uh, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Joseph had, and they're about to go to war. And he says, hey, do you have any prophets here? And so he said, yes, there's one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Yahweh. He had other prophets that told him what he wanted to hear. He said, but the other king says, well, do you have a real prophet? Because I know these guys are a bunch of jokers. He says, yeah, I got a real prophet. His name's Micaiah, the son of Imla, but I hate him. Why? Why do you hate him? He never prophesies anything good. He never tells me what I want to hear. Which do you want? You want the truth or you want what you want to hear? Because sometimes we ask God, what do you want me to do? And God's going to say, I want you to do nothing. I want you to lay down your sword and you're going to go into captivity for a while. 
But we don't like that. What, do you want the truth? Do you want to really hear from God, to receive from God? Because the problem, guys, with Judah is they're stopping their ears. God's going to say in a moment, you guys are plugging your own ears so you can't hear me. You say I'm not talking, but I'm talking. You're just not listening. I hear a lot of people say to me, Jackie, I've been praying, I've been praying, but I haven't heard from the Lord. Uh, I bet you have. I bet you just don't like what you heard. Well, I've been praying for God to give me this or to open the door for us to buy that or whatever the thing is. And, and it hasn't happened. That's an answer. It's just one you don't like. No. We have to be okay with God being God, right? Sometimes we pray, God, I want the healing. Sometimes he gives it. Sometimes he don't. You got to be okay. God's God. You got to trust him that there's something in the journey still, right? There's something that's a part of the plan still laid out before us. We want to put our hope in him. Don't run to Pharaoh. Don't run to something else. Run to the Lord. Trust in him. Verse 3, Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn into your shame, and the shelter and the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. For though his officials are at Zoan and his envoys reach to Haines, Everyone comes to shame through a people that cannot profit them, that brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. Ultimately, in Egypt at this time, there's a Nubian who's serving as Pharaoh, not an Egyptian. So they're not even strong enough to have their own Pharaoh. They got a Pharaoh from a foreign power. And God's saying, they're not going to be able to stand. You're running to somebody who can't take care of themselves to take care of you. How many times do we do that in our life when we face things? How many times do we run to something that can't even take care of itself? Or a person can't take care of themselves? Nobody nobody saves himself. That's that's a work of God, right? So we we need to be running to Him, looking to the Lord for His deliverance. So He says, An oracle on the beast in the Geb, through a land of trouble and anguish, from where come the lioness and the lion, <clears throat> the adder and the flying fiery serpent? They carry their riches on the backs of donkeys, their treasures on the humps of camels, to a people that cannot help them. So we run in, into a land, the land of lions, the land of dragons, of serpents, with all your riches on the back of a donkey, piling all your stuff on a camel, and the people you're running to can't help you. God recognizes their struggle, but it's a struggle that's not going to help. In verse 7, he says, Egypt's health, help is worthless and empty. Therefore, God says, I call her Rahab, who sits still. Rahab. Rahab is a word in Hebrew. It's a, it's a description of... Um, it's one of the descriptions of a chaos monster. You, you have a similar with Leviathan. You guys have heard of Leviathan. Um, there's different texts in different prophets where they'll talk about the sea serpent and can you, can you catch Leviathan and drag him out of the water? And the idea is not necessarily talking about a dinosaur. He's talking about the chaos monster that can you tame chaos? 
You're running to Egypt as though Egypt has the power to tame chaos, to take care of all of these questionable issues in your life where Assyria is coming and we don't know how we're going to stand against them. And so you're running to Egypt if Egypt can't even take care of themselves. So you're running to Egypt like, like she's Rahab. She's able to, to tame chaos, but she's just sitting there. She's not doing anything. That's Your hope is, is placed in empty things. I've had hope in a lot of empty things in my life. I, I, I don't, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather put my hope in things that are real. I put my hope in things that are empty and I just end up discouraged. I make all the best plans. I, my dad lived his whole life uh, scrimping and saving and putting stuff away for retirement and he lost it all in one day. One day. Because all the planning and all the stuff you did could not tame chaos. One day, one bad day in the market and poof. It's all gone. So you have, we can put our trust in all that stuff. We can put that, I have two houses. I'm not because I want two houses. I'll, I'll sell you one right now. You want a house in California? I'll sell it to you. The, we have two houses. Now, we've had the, se- the second house, the California house, so long I can't sell it anymore. Now it's an investment property according to, you know, whoever they are. And uh, so since it's an investment property, if I sell it, I, I get taxed 25% on what I sell it for. Not on what I make. What I sell it for. <laughs> so... Me and Kat made a plan. Okay, well, we'll just keep it. Maybe when we're old, you know, that'll be an income. It can be an income property. Right now, it's somebody else is paying for it. So, so as long, yeah. So as long as we got somebody in there, that's a, that's a good plan. What happens, you know, when all that goes upside down? I'm not trusting in that. I came here in 2009. You guys know what happened in 2009? In 2009, my house went from being appraised at 250000 to ninety. Yeah, so, so you couldn't sell it. Well, you could, but you'd still be making payments on nothing. That doesn't seem like a good plan. So, so in a minute, right, all our plans can go to naught. Our, is our hope in our plans? Or is our hope in God? Now, God may want me to walk through some of these trials. God sees the end from the beginning. He knows why. I don't know why, nor do I. I'm, I'm, I'm over asking. I don't ask whys anymore. I just say, what do you want me to do next? This happened. Boom. You know, we, we go up to Grand Targhee for a vacation. We got a cabin rented for three days. Supposed to be the most fun you could ever have. It lasted 20 minutes. 20 minutes, it took Kathy to buy a, a lift ticket and break her arm. So, I don't go why, I don't do the whys. Why, Lord, why, 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 why we have all... Who cares why? Why don't change nothing, does it? I say, what's next? What, what do you want me to do next? What do we do? And we just go to the next thing. Whatever it is, however long it takes. Because I would rather have my trust in him than all the other stuff that just evaporates. Right? 
As soon as you get good news and good news lasts for a second. And then it's gone. I'm not trusting in that neither. I'm just going to trust in God. God knows what he's doing. We can trust in him. He's going to carry us through. I'm not, nobody tames chaos but God. You know, that's why it's so important when Jesus was on the, on the uh, Sea of Galilee with his disciples and chaos was reigning. Right? You remember there was a storm? Chaos is blowing. And what did Jesus say? Peace be still. And they all looked at him like, whoa. Because what did he just do? He just told the chaos monster, sit down and shut up. The word for when Jesus rebukes a storm, it's the same word for rebuking a demon. He's rebuking chaos. God's the only one who can do that. So I don't see the point in looking to anybody else for deliverance. I'm going to look to him. And I'm going to, I'm going to accept the fact that whatever he has us walk through is according to his wisdom and his plan. So my hope is in him. Whatever he gives me, whatever he makes me walk through, he gives me the strength to do it. He's not going to leave me on my own. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what, I'll fear no evil. Why? You are with me. I'm going to worry about it. God's there. That's all we need. Put our trust in him. Verse 8. And now, go write it before them on a tablet. Inscribe it in a book, that it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. So this is not just something for them. He's saying, this is for generations to come. <clears throat> you need to learn the lesson of trusting me. For they are a rebellious people. Just before we think it's only them. Just feel free to change the third person there to first. For I am a rebellious person. Lying children. Children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. That's all been me before. That's not just somebody else. Who say to the seers, who say to the prophets, just like the king Ahaz said about Micaiah, uh, oh, he never says nothing good. They say to the prophets, don't see. I don't want to know the truth. Don't prophesy to us what is right. Rather, speak to us smooth things. Prophes prophesy illusion. Just tell me what I want to hear. That's the problem in our world today right now because our world just wants to talk craziness. And it's never, it's not going to work. It can't work. Society will implode. But they don't want to hear the truth. Don't. If you say the truth, it's some kind of phobia. You're transphobic, you're homophobic, you're... Whatever phobic. If I said uh, you shouldn't throw trash on the ground, I'm trash phobic. Whatever thing you say, right, that is against whatever they want to hear, that's a phobia. So they're saying, don't tell me the truth. Just speak to us smooth things, easy things. Verse 11, leave the way. Now that's the way God wants you to walk. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Now that is their Messiah. We don't want to hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. We don't hear no more talk about God. We don't hear no more talk. Doesn't that sound exactly like what the world's saying? We don't want to hear any of this stuff. Look, we were, we've been, mankind has been rebellious since like Genesis chapter 3. In case you didn't know, that's early. 
that's early. You get any earlier than that, and we weren't there yet. Man has been rebellious. Man has been lying. Man has been denying his maker from the beginning. This is not new. So God is saying, look, I want you guys to pay attention. This is not just for you. This is for the future. So in verse 12, he says, Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel. Now God's speaking. Because you despise this word, and rather trust in oppression and perverseness and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach in a high wall. So now it's a different word for sin. We had a word for sin that's talking about missing the mark. Now when we come to the word iniquity, this is more like uh, transgression, stepping over a line where you know there's a line, but you're, you're stepping over the line. It says, well, this iniquity, this denying the truth of God's word, denying what God has said, denying what his prophets bring you. So he says, therefore, this is how it's going to be. It's all going to come crashing down like a house of cards. He says, there'll be a bulge in the wall, bulging out to collapse. And the breaking comes suddenly in an instant. So it's like there's a, one second there's a bulge, the wall's there, the next minute the wall's on the ground. It's breaking, is like that of a potter's vessel. So picture that, that vase you dropped once and it just shattered all over the ground. <coughs> that is smashed so ruthlessly that it's fragments, uh, not a shard is found with which to take fire from the hearth. So you, nothing left of it to use. It's just <coughs> utterly destroyed. <clears throat> not a piece big enough to dip water out of a cistern. It all comes apart. Why? Because you despise the word. Why? Because you would rather trust in oppression and perverseness. You're trusting in, in false things. You're tre- this is another thing that man does. Always. You ever read any of George Orwell? Orwell? Anybody? In school, did you have to read Animal Farm? You remember Animal Farm, once upon a time, the animals were being oppressed. Then what happened? The animals became what? The oppressor. Why? Because that's what man does. Because power does what? Corrupts. Well, what? not in a socialist uh, idea, right? If you're a socialist, power won't corrupt. Yeah. Just say that to Mao Zedong. He killed 100 million. Say it to Stalin, he killed 20 million. Say it to Hitler, he killed six. Why? Because the, the guy that's being oppressed, when he becomes the power, what does he do? He oppresses. And the 20th century becomes the bloodiest century ever in the history of man. That, that doesn't sound like we're getting better at what we do. Right? So we have this idea. Look, it's all coming down. Why? Because you despise the word. Every one of those guys, with the exception of Hitler, every one of those guys, what's the first thing they did? The first thing they did is kill God. Second thing they did was kill their brothers. Get rid of God. Get rid of the people. Because you trust in oppression. And you won't trust in me. So the result, everything comes crashing down. Verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel... In returning and rest, you will be saved. Did you catch what he said? In returning and rest. What does that mean? That means rather than going to oppression, rather than trying to solve the problem on your own, rather than running to all this other help, 
Where you're going to find salvation is in repenting. That's what it means to return. And then relax. Calm down. I like all those calm down, whatever, memes. Yeah, calm down. I have to tell myself, I have to whisper that to me all the time. Calm down. One day I'm going to be like Jonathan. We, I've been in meetings with Jonathan where chaos is erupting everywhere. Screaming, shouting, looks like someone's going to pull a knife at any moment. And I look over at Jonathan, he's calm. He's just picture of calm. And I ask him, Jonathan, what's going through your mind when all that's happening? He says, if I just stay quiet a little longer, it's going to solve itself. And be danged if it don't. I just add my voice to the shouting. That, which, by the way, never seems to help. So, i got to tell myself, calm down, calm down. When is it time to speak a word? When God tells you. When is it time to shut up? When God didn't say speak. How do I know the difference? Well, <laughs> if the words you're speaking is sarcastic, that didn't come from God. If the word you speak is angry, that didn't come from God. Now, I'm not saying God can't be angry or God can't be sarcastic. He is in his word. We can read it. But I just know when God's speaking to me, here's the one thing that echoes. Calm. I'm calm. It may be still an angry word or a word of judgment or a word of sarcasm, but it's a calm word. If my heart's beating and my face is red and my ears are burning, it ain't God. That's me, about ready to pop a top. It don't ever work. Calm down. In returning and rest, there's salvation. In returning and rest. I remember my uncle sharing a dream with me. I've told you guys before, but my uncle, my father's youngest brother was gay. His whole life he was gay, struggled with homosexuality, he'd come out and and go back in and come out and go back in. And he got AIDS in the eighties. <clears throat> so he was dying. He came to stay with us a few times and and he always struggled with whether or not God would forgive him for what he'd done. And uh so one day he said he he was all excited one morning, he said God answered his question uh, so we asked how do you answer your question he said well i just asked god if he would forgive me and i had a dream like i was a baby i wasn't i was me but it was like i was a baby and jesus was in a rocking chair and he just holding me and he said that that was my answer yeah will god forgive you for sure might you still die yeah those aren't synonymous terms so my uncle went, he died, he died of AIDS with his family all around him, nobody else. I don't know where all those people were, maybe they were marching somewhere. But he died, he went into the arms of his Savior, a forgiven man. What did he learn? He learned to re- return and rest. Just be calm. Whatever's coming is coming, it's Okay. But I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in him. So he's telling them, look, in return and rest, 
you will be saved. In quietness and in trust is your strength. Did you hear that? In quietness and trust. Not in loud and obnoxious. In quietness and trust. i got to remind myself. Calm. Calm. There have been great times where... Where, you know, I, I, I've had an opportunity to share with somebody in, in, uh, volatile situations. And I know God's with me because no matter how volatile it is, I'm calm. In quietness and trust will be your strength. That's key. This is so important for us to grasp. He says, he's saying this to them, but listen to what he says next. But you were, what's the word? unwilling remember jesus saying jerusalem jerusalem how often i've wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks but you were not willing we are a bunch of stubborn animals that's just the facts when we come to jesus and make him lord we need to surrender part of surrender is the ability to say I can be quiet and trust that I can return and rest, trust in him. I don't want to be unwilling. But you said, no, <clears throat> we will flee upon the horses. We're going to run away. We'll get away. Therefore, you will flee. We will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. Now, does fleeing sound like rest? Does running in a panic sound like uh, um, quietness? Don't we like it when it's quiet more? Don't we like it when it's peaceful? God's saying, just be calm. Yeah, just because it's not what you want, it doesn't mean that it's for your destruction. Right? Right? Be still and see the salvation of your God. This is what the word is declaring. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you will flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of the mountain, like a signal on a hill. All that's going to be left is the banner. So picture there's just going to be a battle, okay? Picture there's the, the, the description is like a battle. And everybody's arrayed for a battle. And you got your banner stuck on your mountain. And they got their banner stuck on their mountain. And as soon as one of the bad guys comes over the hill, everybody turns around and runs away. And all that's left is the banner. That's what the Lord is saying. <clears throat> your trust is not in Him. Then you're going to run away. But listen to verse 18. <clears throat> because this is where you are. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. What's he doing? What's he waiting for? He's waiting for you to return and rest. <clears throat> He's waiting for you to be uh, quiet and trusting. The Lord is waiting to be gracious. He's waiting to give you everything that you need for whatever's in front of you. But it requires this thing that, that I, always, I always think of the same thing. When my kids came for discipline, they, were, they say they're getting a swat. We spanked. You do whatever you want, but we did it right. So we, 
we spanked our kids, but was not about uh, was not about anger, grabbing a belt, whipping them around. Well, it wasn't supposed to be. Sometimes it was it was about that. But how it was supposed to be, and the way we we tried to practice it was: they came in, they put their hands on the bed, assumed the position. You got one swat, and we're done. Boom! You submit to discipline. You submit to it. One swat and it's over. At some point, that clicked. My middle son was more devious than my oldest son. So my oldest son, he wants to argue still today. My, I don't spank them no more. So they're like 40, so they can do their own thing now. But the, when they were young, put your hands on, put your hands on, and then I'm not mad. Put your hands on the bed. You're getting spanked. No. Now it's two. Put your hands on the bed. No, now it's three. And I'll do it. They can go all the way to 50. I won't get tired. But they will. What's the lesson? Learn to submit to discipline. What's the lesson for the children of Israel? Just bow the knee and say, God, I want to do it your way. Can we learn that? Can we just say, you know what, God? I'm, it's me and you till the wheels fall off. I, that doesn't mean that what God's going to do is horrible for you. <clears throat> He's saying the Lord is waiting to be gracious. <clears throat> He's waiting to give you blessing. But He can't give it to you because you won't return and rest. Because you won't be quiet and trust. But God's patient. He's more patient than you are impatient. So it says He's waiting. Therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for Him. He's a God of justice. What's that mean? He's not going to go into a rage and wipe you out. He'll just wait. And you can have the choice of being frustrated with God not appearing while God is saying, why don't you return and rest? I'm here in the rocking chair. Why don't you just come and sit on my lap and let me hold you? Let me tell you, it's going to be okay, even though the enemy is still on the hill. Will you trust me? Will you put your hope in me? This is what God is asking for. It's what God is is looking for. Verse 19, for a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. Here's Here's the hope for the future. And you shall weep. How much? We've heard that before, right? Revelation. We shall weep no more. He shall surely be gracious to you. At the sound of your cry, as soon as he hears it, he will answer you. So, you're going to have a place to dwell. Number one, you'll be in Zion. You have a home. Number two, no more weeping. No tears. Number three, he's going to answer your prayer as soon as you ask it. Return and rest. Quietness and trust. Let God... Do the work in your life. Look what he says in verse 20. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity. That means sometimes you got to eat something you don't want to eat. Yeah, sometimes I have to eat Brussels sprouts. Not true. That was a bad example. Sometimes Kathy makes Brussels sprouts. I think I've ate one. We went to somebody's house one time for, for dinner and they made Brussels sprouts. And if I go to somebody's house, I'll eat. I'll even eat kale, and I'll smile. And on the way home, I'll tell Kathy, we're never going back there again. 
Sometimes the Lord has the bread of adversity or the water of affliction, he says. Yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes will see him. Don't we want to be directed? We want to know where to go, how to get there, what's going on? Return and rest. Quietness and trust, hope in him. He says, hey, you'll see the teacher. What's the, what's the teacher going to do? Listen to verse 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you. Isn't that what we're longing for? Which way do I go, God? Which way? He says, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, God will give you direction. Don't you want to hear? Don't you want those things? Then you will defile your carved idols. You're going to take all the idols in your life, the silver and gold-plated images. You'll scatter them as unclean things. You'll say to them, be gone. Anything that separates you from God, you'll get rid of. That's what happens when you return and rest. That's what happens in our, in our quietness and our trust. He will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground, and bread and produce of the ground, <clears throat> which will be rich and plenteous. In that day your livestock will graze in large pastures, and oxen and donkeys work the ground will eat seasoned fodder, which has been winnowed with a shovel and fork. And on every lofty mountain, every high hill, there will be brooks running with water in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. When are you going to let that wall come down? Because in the day when it all comes down, God says, you're going to find out you got everything you need. But you can leave it up as long as you want. The children of Israel, they, they leave it up to the last minute. Or we can let it come down. All those other things that we hope in. On the day of the great slaughter when we let the towers fall. Verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon will be like the sun. And the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people. Wow. So all we got to do is wait for a really bright day, right? Is that the point? No, that's not the point, in case you thought it was. The point is, when we stop the fight, everything gets a little brighter. The sun shines brighter, the moon shines, because now I'm not carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm letting God carry it. I'm just trusting in Him. I'm resting in Him. None of us can change any of the things we're trying to fix. You can't fix your husband, your boyfriend, your wife, or your kids. God can do all that stuff. So you might as well just return and rest and keep laying it in His hands and stop picking it up. Just lay it in His hands. My wife busted her head on a stone wall trying to fix me. It took God seconds. God's got a way. He wins every time. God don't lose. Now the question is, how hard are you going to labor or will you just let God do it? Rest in Him. Trust in God. Put your hope in Him. So it says when God binds up our brokenness, when He brings that healing into our life, man, what a great day. What a glorious day. I look, I look around and when, when it happened for me and Kathy, it was a lot of chaos. The chaos monster was, was eaten 
<coughs> he was having it at it. But the day was brighter. Because that's the day God brought healing. Not healing to our bodies. Not healing to our illness. That, that would come later. He brought healing to our soul. He took our brokenness. And he made it beautiful. That's what God does. That's what we have to learn. Will we trust him? Will we trust him? Verse 27. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger and thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a devouring fire. His breath like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck. For what purpose? What, what, what's all this uh, language of judgment coming from the name of the Lord? To sift the nations with the, the sieve of destruction. To place on the jaws of the people a bridle that leads astray. What's God saying? God's saying, look, payday someday. And on that day, we talk about this all the time. The, the, the day of the Lord is a day of salvation for the redeemed and destruction for the lost. So when God talks about it, he uses both kind of languages. The redeemed and the destroyed. God will judge. There will be the judge. The judge will pass. He will utterly devour. In verse 29, you will have a song as in the night <clears throat> when a holy feast is kept. Now, for Israel, their day starts in the evening, 6 o'clock. So that's what he says. You'll have a holy feast at night. For us, our day starts in the morning. We would say... Our song starts in the morning. Their song starts at night. Gladness of heart. As when one sets out to the sound of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel, gathering together for that big feast. What feast? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19 talks about it. And the Lord will cause His majestic voice to be heard and the descending blow of His arm to be seen in furious anger and a flame of devouring fire with a cloudburst and a storm of hailstones. When that day comes to an end, it's like a big boom. Peter talks about it like, well, even John in Revelation chapter 6 talks about it like this. The heavens will roll up like a scroll. The stars will fall out of the sky. The sun will go black. Every mountain will be moved. Sounds like a big crash, right? Big bang. When God delivers his people, the display of his power. Verse 31, now he turns his attention toward the Assyrians. The Assyrians will be terror-stricken at the voice of the Lord. Yeah, because in one night, 186,000 are going to fall. When he strikes with his rod, and every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord lays on them will be the sound of tambourines and lyres. So he's saying, on one hand, judgment of the lost. On the other hand, the celebration of the vindicated. Right? Think of yourself like if you were in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany and all the atrocities have been going on to you and then all of a sudden in one day the Allies come and they set you free. Now while they're setting you free, some of them guards and things that, that were doing horrific things to you, they're being shot and killed by the soldiers as they're coming in, right? But for you it's a day of celebration because your, your, your torture is over. Are you tracking? So that's, that's what the day of the Lord is like. Vindication for God's people. Vindication for them. So he goes on then and he says in, uh, um, in verse 32, Every stroke of the appointed staff will be the sound of timbrines and liars battling with a brandished arm. He will fight for them. 
For a burning place has been prepared indeed. For the king it is made ready, its pyre made deep and wide, the fire and wood in abundance. The breath of the Lord, like the stream of sulfur, kindles it. Uh, Tartarus. Oh, Revelation calls it the lake of fire. Right? The place for those who have been judged. On one hand, God's vindication and deliverance of his people. On the other hand, a, a day of justice. That's how the day of the Lord is always described by the prophets. It's always talked about. Salvation for one and destruction for the other. A home with Him for eternity or a home apart from Him, right? In a place nobody really wants to go. So we come to to 31. We'll look a little bit deeper into to Judah some more but the idea will you return and rest or will you continue to rebel that's God's word in Isaiah 30 amen why don't you stand with me let's pray Father God we lift this time to you Lord we thank you for the opportunity to study your word to come to your word Lord to be instructed God I pray that our hearts are willing to be uh affected to hear your word god not like the nation of israel where they heard your word but rebelled against it they said we don't want to hear what you say we want to do our own thing god i pray our heart would be different our heart would be no lord i want to hear what you have to say i want to walk with you i want to be who you want me to be i want to find myself just lying in your arms trusting in your deliverance and, and holding on to that you will give me the strength for whatever lies in front of me. So God, I pray you be glorified in this place as we turn our eyes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.